Market Pulse presented by SmartTouch Interactive is an engaging and comprehensive interview series focusing on the dynamic real estate industry, providing a platform for you as a real estate enthusiast, industry professional, investor, and someone interested in understanding the complex world of real estate and marketing. By keeping our finger on the pulse of the industry, this podcast helps you stay ahead of the curve in making informed decisions and understanding the nuances of the ever-evolving real estate market. Hello, all, and welcome to another episode of Market Pulse presented by SmartTouch. I'm your host, Aaron Fischera, and I have a great show for you today. Today, on my guest, Logan Samsel of VIP Mortgage. Logan, good morning. Good morning, Aaron. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. For those that don't know about VIP Mortgage, uh, VIP Mortgage started in, I believe, 2006, based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, or the Arizona region. Um, since the inception, you guys have done over $28 billion in uh, lending, uh, making people's dreams come true with home buying, and now service over 39 states. So it's pretty amazing within a 20-year period. I know I was doing a little research on you guys and one of the fastest growing uh, mortgage companies in the country. So it's great to have Logan, one of the rising stars on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we work really hard and we, we, we're very proud of what we've done so far and we're excited for the future. Well, well, before we kind of, you know, everything that's been on the uh, minds of everybody is, of course, interest rates. We're now out of 2023. We're into 2024. It's that natural inflection point where we're thinking, okay, 2023 is behind us. What's going on? 2024 is the right time. And you add a little sprinkle of it's an election season. So that kind of turns up the emotional uh, response to anything. Um, But you know, I like to start off, Logan, when are you going to get Jerome Powell on the phone and cut interest rates is what I'm at. No, <laughs> I know I've been, I've been knocking down on his door and he just won't pick up. So okay. we'll, uh, we'll just take it as it comes. And hopefully he's, he's kind to us in the coming year. I hope so. And, and, you know, we'll get towards interest rates. Um, you know, the current prediction is, or forecast is three cuts, um, which is nice. I'm not as optimistic. I may be thinking more one, but let's get into that later on in the show. Um, right. You know, and to give the audience background, you know, me and Logan met last year at a HBA event here in Austin. Um, big shout out to HBA. They put on a great event. Logan, you're you hell of a golfer too. So <laughs> I don't know about uh, that. I think I got lucky a few times uh, when we it, met, but it was, it was a lot of fun and, you know, I kind of came in as a as a third wheel and ended up having a lot of fun with you guys. So as a ringer, and I believe you need to leave afterwards because you were carrying the team on your shoulders. So I thank you for that. <laughs> but yeah. what what I found very interesting was your background, and, and you know I start the show off where I want you know to give a little bit of background because we're all passionate about the the uh, residential, commercial, or just real estate industry in general. Logan, how does uh, one become infatuated with becoming part of the mortgage industry? You know, I think that my story might be a little bit different than a lot of people's. Everybody has their own way of kind of coming into the mortgage space. Um, The funny story with me is I grew up around it my whole life. So um, I was the son of a mortgage lender out in uh, Southern Arizona as a kid, really just from a young age, kind of grew up hearing about interest rates and loan programs. And, 
you know, kind of through osmosis around the kitchen table, learned whether I wanted to or not and picked up some stuff that I've carried my whole life. Um, you know, went to college at Texas A&M. Uh, actually had an offer to shoot on the Texas A&M archery team. Uh, but that's kind of how I got out here and fell in love with Texas and, you know, throughout college traveled a lot and, you know, the central Texas region, all the rivers to fish and things like that. And just knew it's where I wanted to plant roots and stay. So continued on that path as a mortgage lender and just absolutely couldn't be happier. Excellent. 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 And I'm assuming as being a diehard Aggie, um, 90% of your photos have a thumbs up in them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have the, uh, you have the good Aggie ring always on the finger and it's always good to, to meet other people. I was, I was States away over the, the holiday season and was sitting there at dinner and somebody walked up and said, what year are you? And immediately we ended up hitting it off and having a conversation just because of the ring. So being an Aggie is something that's very, very special to me and something I, I don't take lightly. Excellent. Well, um, well, let's dive into the meat of it. Uh, current trends in financing, you know, um, Logan, what can you share with us on some current trends you're seeing when it comes to home buying and financing? Well, you know, we're kind of in that interesting period in the, the real estate world. You know, a lot of the root causes are going to come back to COVID where there was just a lot of uncertainty. Um, real estate's very cyclical, as we all know. And, you know, COVID was kind of that perfect storm of, of rates hitting the floor as the Fed tried to keep money moving through the market. But even more so, a lot of people were feeling stuck in their living situation. Um, people in the one-bedroom apartments or people in the smaller homes with roommates or something like that, they realized they wanted something bigger. They realized they wanted something different um, or just any combination of those things where they wanted to move. And I think that that's really what contributed to the boom was affordability was something that was really great because of interest rates being so low. And people felt pressured to, you know, want to get out of the current situation that they were in because you love your home until you have to sit there 24 hours a day and do work at the kitchen table. Um, so that was something that a lot of folks realized. And, you know, I think now we're kind of sitting on the other side of the aisle because the Fed realized that they may have opened up that flow of money a little too fast. Um, we started seeing inflation and jobs really boom. And, because of that, the Fed need, needed to use the power that they had to really just stabilize the ship. And, you know, unfortunately, when you have highs, you also have to have the lows to kind of balance things out. And what it meant for us and for the consumers and everybody else in the in the business is mortgage rates hit highs that we haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, while at the time of recording, things are certainly starting to get better. Um, we're kind of mid to high sixes as of, you know, January 11th. Um, but we hit eights just a couple of short months ago. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of buyers enter the market as the rates continue to decline. And, you know, as you said, the, the Fed predicts three rate cuts and which would be, which would be great. Um, it would be, it would mean a lot of buyers are entering the market. Um, it means that buyers will likely receive a lower interest rate and that's great. You know, it also means that buyers will probably see a little bit more competition um, just because there have been so many people sitting on the sidelines trying to weather out this high interest rate environment. So the importance of, you know, getting pre-approved and getting started early on in the process is becoming more and more important. Um, but, you know, for our builders, it also means there's going to be a lot more people wanting to buy their homes, which is a great thing. So 
we all just have to take it in stride and take it as it comes. And, you know, I think that getting through this season of, of high rates and trying to curb inflation is been a positive thing at the end of the day, because we've all had time to sharpen our tools. Well, and to that point, knowing these trends and these hurdles, you know, what would be some advice that you would give builders or even on the buyer side as well um, to kind of some alleviate some of these hurdles that we've dealt with maybe last year? You know, really talk to the talk to the people that are there that are in the know, you know, talk to your mortgage lenders, talk to your realtor friends, you know, talk to the builders, because we really have to have a pulse on everything that's going on in the market. Um, so as a consumer, just plugging in and understanding kind of the whys of why things are happening the way that they are and hearing from different sources is really going to give you the best idea of what's actually happening in the market because everybody has their two cents, right? But once you rub a bunch of two cents together, you kind of get the whole picture. Um, and I think that an educated home buyer is a better home buyer every single time. And, you know, just getting that education and talking to the people that are that are here to help or is, is super important. Well, and to that education piece, is there something a builder or developer can do to help um, reinforce or educate the buyer before they get to you know, lending? Or is there anything that we can be doing on the builder side? Would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest thing is just talking with people and getting to people, people to us early. Um, you know, we don't know what we don't know until we know it. So if we can get in touch with those borrowers early on, we can build out uh, better plans and kind of really tailor things better for them as they go through the process. Um, you know, over the past couple of years or so, we've seen people's budgets get stretched a little bit as affordability has kind of been hard. So um, getting them in touch with a lender that might be able to help structure some debt in a different way and kind of put that game plan, even if they are, you know, eight, 12, 14, 16 months out, talking with us early and often is going to be the best thing that they can do because setting the solid foundation is going to make everything else go up so much straighter. No, no, I agree. Um, it really, you can't go wrong with just more education. And to that point, you know, we're seeing a lot of new buyers into the market and a lot of terms and there is need that education piece. You know, I get to work with uh, Gen Z and there seems to be a bit of a knowledge gap when it comes to where to start in the lending process. So, you know, I definitely want to use some of this time to talk about mortgage options. You know, you have fixed, adjustable, 30, 15, VA, uh, FHA. Where do we start? You know, how do you, you know, what do you determine is the right criteria? If someone's interested in, in a type, how would you recommend and, and structure that? You know, can you, can you kind of walk us through well, how the sausage is made? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So, you know, the mortgage industry as a whole is very broad. We have a lot of different programs. We have a lot of different solutions. And the reason for that is not one borrower is the same as the next. So, you know, when we talk about mortgage as a whole, we're really talking about, you know, kind of that made to measure custom suit maker, right? Is we're going to get your measurements for better or worse, you know, you kind of your financial situation, your credit, things like that. And then, you know, just generic facts about your life, because 
you know, a VA loan is great for veterans. If you're not, not a veteran, that probably is not going to be the right fit. Yeah. And so um, really just talking with them about what their situation is, what their goals are. And then we can take that holistic approach by figuring out what products might be a fit. And then really just helping guide them through the several different scenarios that are available to them in order for them to make the best decision at the end of the day. And so, you know, we have some great programs that we're going to use and some great tools that we use that are going to show each of those, you know, three, four, five options side by side. So they can really get the best idea of what's going to be the best option for them. And then we can move accordingly. So, you know, if anybody wants to see what those look like, feel free to reach out, you know, we can send you some examples or if you are a buyer, you know, and you want to see what your specific looks like, we can certainly do that as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about tailoring the product to meet the person's needs and goals. Um, there's a lot of myths around the, the mortgage industry where first time home buyers have to be in an FHA program, which isn't always the case, right? You know, sometimes the conventional program is going to be a little bit better of a fit. And it's really just putting those two side by side and saying, these are going to be your monthly savings. If you go with option A versus B, you know, here's the, the long-term effects of going with one or the other. Here's the closing costs for one or the other. And then really just asking them what makes the most sense for you right now. Because if we can figure out your pain points early on, we can figure out the best route to go. Because if the cash to close number is, you know, the biggest pain point and the biggest thing that's keeping you up at night, we can tailor that to bring that cash to close number down as much as we can, where if monthly mortgage payment is something that you're worried about, but you have a little bit of a nest egg that you can invest in the real estate, we can leverage that to bring that monthly payment amount down if the cash to close number isn't something you're as concerned about. Well, and to those points of criteria and kind of qualifying and, and identifying the right loan, you know, are there any metrics that are still the the standard, you know, I know debt to income ratio is kind of a, a good metric that um, financing has always been around, you know, has that changed over the last couple of years? Or are you guys looking at anything different that, you know, maybe first time home buyers or those that are looking for a second home or third, you know, do they need to be conscious of? You know, I think you hit the nail on the head for the most part. We're very interested in debt to income ratios um, as well as, you know, you're just a generic credit profile. Um, credit score is obviously a big thing in, in the mortgage business and in lending as a whole, um, lets us get a really good look inside of really what's going on. And then the debt to income ratio can really support that. Um, I think those are the two biggest things. Um, we want, we're never going to make you a loan that we don't think you can comfortably afford. So that's where that debt to income ratio comes up. And then, you know, depending on the property, depending on certain things, there are some, some benefits that you can potentially capture. So. Are you seeing any trends around programs, um, you know, that may be used higher frequently than others over the last couple of years or, you know, any regionalism or demographics that's kind of stuck out in VIP mortgages analytics? You know, I think that over the last couple of years, what we've seen is, a lot of first-time home buyers. Um, first-time home buyers aren't very rate sensitive. Um, the only reason for that is because oftentimes they're renting, right? They don't, they aren't living with 
mom or dad and they don't have, they're paying 100% interest regardless. They're not getting anything for the rental that they're paying each month. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea for them of being able to build equity, have that pride of ownership, own the home is something that if they can afford it, they might be willing to swallow a little bit higher interest rate for the time being, because we can always refinance later. And so that's going to be one of the biggest demographics that we're seeing really boom right now. Um, that that mid price is kind of one of the things that people have kind of held off on just mm-hmm. because rates are up a little bit. They may already have a, a low interest rate in the house that they're they're currently in, things like that. So they don't want to leave that real pretty interest rate to to go into something else. But, you know, it's all about figuring out what the the needs are because nobody buys or sells a house for fun. There's always a why behind it. And really it's just getting down to the the meat and potatoes of what the why is and then seeing if it makes sense. And, you know, to kind of talk on your point of what programs are being used most often, especially over the last year or so, we've been seeing a lot of temporary buy down programs um, really shine because the generic, the general trend over the, the last, you know, couple years is that rates will eventually go down. Um, they won't continue to climb. And, you know, the Fed has really supported that in their conversations recently. And so being able to capture some of that saving early with the temporary buy-down program, you know, likely what we're going to see is those people be able to refinance before they hit that full note rate. And, you know, so no, and I, I think that that buy down, we've seen that as well as being a huge success across the board. And I think it kind of gives builders and new construction a leg up going into the 2024 market. Absolutely. That's something that the builders have done an excellent job of capturing is is offering those incentives, um, funding those buy downs, funding some of the closing costs and making the deal a little bit sweeter to begin with. And then, you know, through the course of of time, you know, they're going to capture more savings again as they refinance. And I think that the new construction and the new builds have, have done a really good job of of making the benefit to the home buyer almost unignorable. Well, you know, we kind of talked about standard metrics and, you know, just the traditional um, when it comes to mortgage lending. How about technology? You know, you you we've talked about being, you know, through the 08 to now you've seen kind of the gamut, especially being in the mortgage industry. What's some uh, changes in technology or is there anything on the horizon that's going to be a game changer? You know, over the last several years, we've seen a lot of automations come up um, that have really helped speed up the process and make the process less expensive for the borrower. Um, You know, both uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have both have incredible property data now. you know, likely due to the fact that there was so much purchasing going on. So a lot of that information is very vast and very recent. And, you know, what we're seeing because of that is we're seeing almost no appraisal. Sometimes we're seeing no appraisal costs. They have the neighborhood data down pat and they don't need to do an appraisal or it's going to be a minimal appraisal rather than doing a full appraisal. Um, You know, and the other thing too is, you know, we had to get a lot better at being online over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Just with COVID, it was kind of a necessity. And so we're seeing borrowers that are likely using online portals for most of their life. Think, you know, banking, their payroll, all these things. And what we can do with 
the application process is if they're using a, a major payroll company, um, we can oftentimes get day one certainty through our automated underwriting. So what that's going to do is it's going to give us the income number that's signed off on. It doesn't need to be signed off on by an underwriter. And basically that's just one thing that we don't need to touch because we have such good data and, you know, the, the process has gotten a lot more streamlined. And so you can really get a firm loan approval on day one when we go through that underrated, automated underwriting system. And you can shop a lot more confidently because everything is already down pat. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, and I know um, kind of the buzz going, I mean, over the last few years, but especially going into this year's AI. And, you know, I've had some guests on the show talk about, AI's application in uh, renderings, AI application in um, you know, sale, sales calls, um, even in our marketing efforts and how we analyze data. You know, how is uh, the mortgage industry still dealing in the 20th century or do you see any application of AI or is there currently rumors or murmurs of it being introduced into the financing world? You know, there are some rumblings. Um, I think that we'll see it um, happen. I don't think we'll be first adopters of AI in, in the lending space. Um, anytime we're dealing with banking and, and everybody's money, um, we want to be slow to adopt things like that. Um, but I think that AI over the course of you know my career will certainly begin to play a more important role. I think our automated underwriting systems are going to be become better um, just because of AI. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, financing is not always very black and white. You know, there's always, you know, the it depends scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can eventually get AI to that point, then then our automated underwriting systems will be very, very good. Um, processing will be very, very good. But until then, you know, until we can build out an AI that can understand the nuance behind financing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the need for people like me and the people like my team is not going to go anywhere. Good, good, good. Because, you know, that is kind of the um, the uh, the crux of AI, that it, it makes, you know, the human intervention less needed. But then how do we backfill that? Right. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be, you know, one of those things that, as it gets bigger and as it gets better, it's just going to absolutely blow everybody away. I have no doubt about it. Um, AI is something that is certainly going to change the way that we lend. Um, I just don't know when that that will happen. Well, I know we're going to kind of go into a larger uh, discussion. Um, and I know in our previous conversations, we've definitely have had some real uh barn burners when it comes to talking about the interest rate and the feds and its role in the in just the markets in general so you know Logan what's your thoughts on the recent we talked about the uh, forecast is three cuts yeah um you know there's a high percentage March April as the being the first is what everyone's kind of touting around um, what's your thoughts what's the the pulse on the ground you know, I think that we will see cuts. I do. Um, before the Fed announced that they were going to predict three 
the Fed futures market was predicting for. So the people that bet on the what the Fed's going to do. Um, so I think that, you know, we'll see some cuts. I think that as more jobs numbers come out, as more inflation numbers, as more PPI numbers come out, I think that we'll get a better idea of that, you know, as the, the data comes out. But um, I think that the, the Fed has done a decent job at curbing the inflation in the way that they wanted to. Um, I don't think it happened nearly as quickly as they wanted it to. Um, but they, the Fed really only has one tool to play with, and that's the, the funds rate. And, and so it's kind of hard when you have a, a very coarse adjustment lever to make fine changes in the economy. And that's just unfortunately one of the things that, that we're all along for the ride for. I think that we will we'll see rates begin to drop over the next year. Um, now, do I think that we're going to see three rate cuts in the next two months? No. I think that it's going to be a very stretched out process because, you know, we don't want the situation to happen again where we saw COVID, where the rate went to the floor very, very fast. And because of that, you know, we saw that crazy boom that now is having to be cured in, in the, to the tune of high interest rates. So I think they're going to try to bring it back in slowly and then hopefully find a new norm. Well, I'm, you know, I always uh, hesitate about telling, asking people to predict the future and especially economists, um, you know, what's getting to that new norm. Um, if you kind of look at the trajectory or the, it's been seven, 8% or something around that over the last 40, 50 years, yeah. we go back, it's been, we've conditioned a market around well, free money. Right. So, I mean, where, where do you see is the, the new norm? Is it five, six, or should we be expecting eight? And just kind of this is a feel good moment before we get that uptick. I, I don't think we'll see eight. Um, so we have over 30 investors on our bank side that that invest in our products and stuff like that. So we have a lot of different murmurings from a lot of different economists at those investors. Um, the more optimistic ones are saying the new normal will probably sit anywhere between four and six percent. Um, the more pessimistic ones are saying the new normal will sit anywhere from five to seven percent. So as you think about that, you know, the new normal being a swing from four to seven percent. That's sometimes hard to grasp, but I think that if you if you throw a dart anywhere on that board, somewhere in the middle where both of them think it could be, um, I think that's likely where we'll probably see it set. Excellent. Well, going into 2024 and seeing these trends, how any advice or recommendations you would have for builders, developers around navigating this market? You know, I think just take it as it comes. Uh, keep your head up. Keep your head on a swivel. Um, the market is always going to be changing. Um, we seem to get new news every single day. And um, the bond market responds accordingly to that. That's kind of that fine adjustment tool. Uh, works very inversely to the 10-year treasury. Um, and I think that what we're going to see over the next the next year or so is just a lot of turbulence. Mm. Um, every time an election year has come up, 
we've seen turbulence in the the interest rate and in the bond markets, regardless of who gets elected. Um, and I think that as we see that, you know, that happen with the fact that we're expecting the Fed to cut rates three times, there's just a lot of uncertainty sitting in the market. So really just keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening um, is going to be huge and very monumental for, you know, making decisions in the future. Um, I'm happy to talk with anybody about, you know, what they think is going to happen and maybe what I think is going to happen. But, um, you know, if you have a question about what happened over the last week or so, give me a call. Um, we keep a very, very close eye on the market and the very, very close eye on the why behind it. And so I would say that just keep your head up and, uh, reach out to people in your circle and people that you know that might have a different opinion than you or might share the same opinion. And, you know, there's strength in numbers and there's strength in conversation. So. Excellent. Well, you know, look, I know as we're wrapping up today's show, um, again, you always appreciate your take and the information you provided myself and the audience, um, you know, in closing, what are some resources? What are some, go-tos that you know logan would recommend to the audience yeah i think that um talking with your your real estate professionals talking with the the realtors in the in the area for the builders you know the realtors that are selling your your homes the realtors that you work with you know they have a very good idea of what consumer sentiment is in the market they talk with a lot of people day in and day out um that's their whole job is, is is talking with people and and figuring out what the general trends are in the market. Um, they have a very good idea of what's going on. Um, so talk with them, use them as a resource. Um, in the same vein, talk with your mortgage professionals. Talk with talk with guys like me that have just been lending day in and day out. And so, you know, from from a resources standpoint, is you know keep your eye on the Fed futures market. That's going to be a good thing. You know, keep your eye out for those Fed meetings. Um, keep your eye out on the bond market. And, you know, I think that if we all had the crystal ball of what exactly was going to happen, then we'd all be on Wall Street and making a whole yeah. lot of money. Yeah, we'd be having a different conversation <laughs> right now. Right. We're, we're, all, uh, we're all along for the ride and, and we're just going to take it as it comes. And lending is not going anywhere. The housing market's not going anywhere. People always need a place to live. So. I think that I think that there's no panic, at least in in the housing market. We're very cyclical, and we've seen we've seen these cycles before, and undoubtedly we'll see them again. Logan, as always, I appreciate your take, and definitely as we progress through the year, um, want to have you back and line up our predictions and say, hey, did we, are we just yeah? Crazy we people? should we should do that. We should see if we uh, if we were right or if we were totally off the mark, and then we can talk about maybe why or why not we were right or wrong. So I think that would be really interesting. Well, well I appreciate it, Logan. Thank you. Absolutely. Aaron, I, you know, thanks for having me and we'll get out and golf here soon. And uh, there you go. Maybe you'll give me a run for my money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. I definitely need to shake off the cobwebs. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, for those that are listening, uh, thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching you next time on The Market Pulse. Have a great day.